Listen, by now you know that if you hear my voice before the episode starts, I'm about to lay a disclaimer on you. And typically, it sounds something like, oh, this is going to be a very heavy subject and a lot of emotions are going to be running high and blah, blah, blah. That's not the case with this one. We're just going to cuss a bunch because... That's what we do sometimes. So don't expect any kind of revelations or anything like that out of this episode. Just a lot of profanity. Buckle up, kids. Wait, nope, not kids. Get no kids. Get the kids out of the room. You, adult listener, buckle up. We're going to cuss. A lot. I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And this this is That Other F Word. end of the day when you really really boil it down it really is about balance right it is um you know night and day it is life and death it is male and female um and for everything to to be working the way you want it to work everything has to be in that balance um and things go wrong right when things are out of balance um and so i I think that's exactly what Wade is talking about, you know, in that sense, you come into circle and you are equal with everyone else in that circle. Um, you know, the the priestess and the priest work together. Um, now, not every, you know, ritual you go to is are going to have both priest and priestess, um, but traditionally that's what you have. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's not it's it's traditional you don't have to you you can practice many multiple ways, but there's never that denial, right? There's never that you are not valid. Your energy is not welcome here. Um, I've never, I mean, and I've been to men's rituals and I've been to women's rituals. <laughs> I, I see Reverend Wade's uh, eyebrow go up. I should say I, I have witnessed men's rituals, right? Um, you can go to rituals that are specifically for, um, you know, uh, one over the other. Um, there was actually a little bit of a, shall we say, a scandal a few years ago um, with uh, one of the big pagan um, gatherings where they invited a feminist witch to do a ritual and she only allowed women born women into this ritual right and i I see i see the look on your faces this was also (laughs) sort of in the beginning of this conversation right like that that's a whole different conversation that is still i think really in its infancy in the pagan community but that was one of the first moments where people were like we can't do that right but then she came back and she's like, this, you know, ritual is for like women who have suffered sexual assault and rape and abuse. And like, so we're uncomfortable having men in any form in this circle. So it sparked us this really interesting conversation then on that side of things that I don't think had really happened on the broader scale. Like I think it had happened, you know, smaller communities um, or, you know, specific circles and covens, but I don't think the community itself had started having that conversation. And I think that conversation is still very much a part of what's happening right now right of course with all of our other social justice politics happening um the pagan community is not immune to having those moments of oh we fuck that up yeah (laughs) you know right what happens when you sprinkle humans into faith right (laughs) technically Um, it looks great on paper (laughs) people screw it up all the time right uh yeah i I should yeah we're flawed it's not a but, yeah, uh, it's not a community that's without its flaws. If anything, though, it's it's a community that embraces them and then tries to improve them because that's kind of the point of what we're doing. Sure. And I, yeah. doesn't ignore them, right? Like, you know, this was a moment where we went, oh, we, we fucked this one up. But what does that mean? Like, how do we change that, especially, you know, in these contexts? And, um, you know, so I do think it's interesting because 
in the pagan community, at least in my experience, when I have found abuses of power, it's usually been more on the women's side of things, right? So this is a very different side of the coin. Um, but again, I think it goes back to when you have people who have not had power for so long and they suddenly have it, how do they use it? And then how do you discuss that, right? Um, if I am teaching students, if I am the high priestess of my coven and I have new students come to me, how do I address those issues when you have some really old school hierarchy going on within a coven structure and uh, like British traditional Wicca, if you see a third degree high priestess walking down the street, technically you're supposed to go over and bow to her. You could, She could require you to kiss the ground she's walking on. Um, and while like some of that symbolism is really amazing, right? And what you do in ritual is can can be a lot of fun in that sense would i ever require one of my students to do this to me on the street <laughs> no but there have been high priestesses who absolutely would um and so again there, i think there's been a sort of a switch in how we are viewing these things because of sort of all of the modern issues that we're also like on the bigger community outside of the pagan community really having to face for the first time and we're really having to stop and say okay this, you know, used to be, um, you know, a, a symbol or a gesture of respect. Now it just might be construed as abuse. <laughs> How do <laughs> right. we change that? How do we take that and keep the respect, but take out making someone feel like we are abusing them? Um, and so the, that has definitely been like, I, I don't look at Wicca and say, oh, we're totally female empowered and like nothing like that happens. A lot of it has happened in the past. And I think the difference at least from my perspective, as Reverend Wade said, is that we have been trying to acknowledge it and change how we think and ch change our approach to how we handle these subject matters um, and making sure that, um, you know, people are treated with the care <laughs> and empathy that they need, right? Um, I had a, a, a really random email a few weeks ago from someone um, who was about to take initiation, and we can talk about initiation later. It's a very intense ritual. And they just found me on the internet. And apparently their high priestess told them to go talk to other uh, priests and priestesses about the initiation experience and like what to expect and blah, blah, blah. And it was a really interesting conversation for me talking to someone I, I really didn't know at all and didn't know their background, didn't know what um, tradition they were coming from and talking about consent, right? and what you consent to in those moments. Um, and, you know, I come from a very old school <laughs> initiatory background where consent was not discussed. Now, I knew what I was getting into when I went into those experiences, but a lot of people now don't. And I've heard some horror stories, you know, for people who were not prepared and then felt very much like they did not give their consent for what happened during these rituals. Um, and so like uh, Reverend Wade and I have this conversation all the time about what consent means now and how you discuss that with students when you are passing on these sort of very old school rituals. Because um, that's a very, you know, and that's, that's I think a side of Wicca that people who are new to it have no idea. They don't know what they're about to experience. They don't know what to ask. They don't know what to expect. Um, and unless you were very lucky to have a very good teacher, which I did, um, you can be very, very shocked <laughs> and have some pretty bad experiences that way. Um, but then there's this idea of, oh, well, this is, this is a, you know, a mystery religion. It's an oral tradition. Um, some of these things we can't talk about until you experience them. 
Um, and then that can be very much abused, right? Um, and it's the idea, it's, it's almost like a hazing ritual, right? Like you have to go through the same thing I did before we can talk about it. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of power to that. And I'm very happy I went through that, but I was also very much prepared and understood what I was getting myself into. <laughs> a lot of people are not in the same place. Well, can you tell us, can you tell us anything that would, like what goes on there that somebody might not be prepared for? Um, there are, are physical acts, um, and I'm not talking sex. Um, not that sex can't happen in ritual. I love ritual sex. If I have a, a partner that I trust and, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with. But um, no, it's just, um, it's, it's one of those rituals where there's a lot of shock value, right? Um, essentially, initiation is death and rebirth. So how do you facilitate that in a ritual setting? There are many ways to do it. Chris has some uh, fun stories about it uh, from his. Um, I, <laughs> there was one point in the midst of my initiation, I don't think I'm breaking any oaths to, to tell this, where I was lifted by the group. Um, my initiation happened in a hotel room of all places because we were traveling and there were other priests and priestesses of my tradition at the same event that we were at. This is starting to sound like a shady ritual. <laughs> <laughs> I got had it in a motel, which seemed unusual at the time, but it makes sense now. No, but it was funny because, uh, you know, um, since it was my initiation, I wasn't the one planning sort of the logistics of this ritual, which in my coven at the time, I was usually the, the logistics person so my priest was the one who had to sort of plan this out and he wasn't very good at that in that sense <laughs> god love him um and so the the altar ended up being like the coffee table which was this round glass table and i was lifted up by like six or seven people and like turned over this table and i just remember thinking if they drop me and i land on this glass table like i'm i'm dead <laughs> like, <laughs> you know and so it's just you know um having done did, initiation wait, did the table yeah. have the normal implements the the yeah. oh, normal yeah. ritual accoutrements so we're talking blades here we're, we're talking things on fire here right <laughs> yeah and the funny part about that too is they had forgotten a lot of a, a lot of the the ritual stuff because again I, i'm the planner and so <laughs> then they're running through this event which was a pagan event asking for tools which in and of itself is pretty awesome you know they went to the oto for for needles they went to you know the dianics for the candles they went to you know they kind of so my like initiation was this really interesting like amalgamation of a lot of people which uh is actually really great in hindsight but um it's like again, ritual stone soup yes yeah it was it totally was um you know so <laughs> It's it's a very I'm getting all kinds of good ideas, I might add. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, so um it's a very intense ritual. Um that was my first degree initiation. I am a third degree initiate. Um and they sort of level up as you go. Um, you know, so um you, you need to be properly prepared for that. And uh it, and again, Reverend Wade and I in our witchcraft deconstructive podcast it's been kind of interesting for me kind of sitting back and reevaluating a lot of these practices that i was taught by very traditional old school people right um who were in their 50s 60s 70s when i was in my early 20s and then sort of reevaluating how we're like we're doing this stuff so well i know one thing i wanted to ask you so you were talking about you don't you don't celebrate christmas you celebrate yule so what does the time around Halloween look like for you all? Cause it's certainly a time most people associate witchcraft with, but what does that look like in real life? 
Well, it's Samhain, right? So Samhain for us is the Witch's New Year. Um, it is one of the more important Sabbaths. Um, it's a pretty intense time of year. Um, so we always say that at this time of year, that the, the veil between the worlds is thin. Um, and a lot of that comes from the sacrifices that are going on through the harvest. Um, there are a lot, uh, there's a lot of movement between this world and the underworld. Um, this is the time of year to talk to the dead. Um, Samhain is the time to talk to your dead. Um, and depending on the sort of year you've had, that, that can mean different things. I, uh, I had sort of a slap upside the back of the head the other night. I, uh, I received a box in the mail um, of stuff that I had sent to someone I loved very much who died this summer. Um, and I showed up uh, to my uh, apartment after a very stressful day and this box was waiting for me and it was stuff I had sent to him in the hospital that he didn't get because he died. Um, and they sent it to me. And I was just like, God damn it, Sawin. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't need this tonight. Like, I didn't need to, like, hear, the, hear his voice in the back of my head tonight, right? And then, like, since I got that box, like, I keep finding, like, little things, like, on the sidewalk and, and um, you know, just sort of around the house. And I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. Like, and this has been a very hard year, right, in terms of death. Like, this has just yes. been a terrible year. Um, and so, for me, I, I've been thinking that this is going to be a rough one in terms of Sawin. Um, but it's a moment to stop and um, sort of acknowledge where you, you exist, right, in the world and in your family. Um, and one of the most powerful things anyone ever said to me, you know, because, I, I, again, I come from a very Christian family. And, um, you know, uh, family members, I've always thought, oh, well, they, they you know, fam older family members who have passed probably wouldn't want to speak to me because of my religious choices, right? And uh, one, a priestess once said to me, you know, none of that matters in death. None of it matters in death. Your race, your religion, your sexual choices, um, anything, any way you identify, none of that matters after you die. Um, so Samhain is a time to talk to your dead and remind yourself of, you know, the importance they had in your life, but the importance you had in theirs too um and again it's it's a place to mourn it's a place to love um and it's a place to acknowledge just the change in the year right we're going from a very active time of year to a very quiet time of year um so for me Samhain is it, it's a really powerful night so I mean you have Halloween it's fun right like I still go out and dress up and uh, you know do trick-or-treating with the kids um and you know all the the fun things but it's also this very very um somber um, acknowledgement to just kind of reset yourself and get ready for the new year um, and acknowledge those who have passed. Um, and it's, a, again, it's a place to mourn. It's a place to grieve. Um, you know, I have friends who, when we're in circle uh, on Samhain, talk to people who've been dead for years and years and years, but who are still so important to them. It's a time to say what they need to say to those people. Um, and I, again, I think this is, this is one of those rituals you find uh, in many cultures around the world, right? You have uh, Dia de los Muertos. We do, we do Dia de los Muertos <laughs> and it's, and ours is so it's, you know, when we, Ren and I had a really bad year last year and, and she lost her father and um, my husband and I put up an ofrenda, um, which, and, and we don't do it in the morning sense, we, we do it in a celebration sense. And so um, most people on, when you do a traditional friend, if you're on it, you're on it forever and your ancestors pass it down always. We don't quite do that because we don't have enough room. 
Um, and <laughs> we lost a lot of people last year, um, in, in including my father-in-law, like I said, Rin's, Rin's father and, and a few other very close people. And then there are a couple that always stay on, but ours is a time for them to come and visit us. We put up their favorite things. Um, and again, I, I want to highlight once again, we are very similar still in these things. We, we like candles, Jews like candles and we, and we, these are all the same thing. You know, we were talking about a broom being in everybody's um, house. Well, people like candles. Everybody lights a damn candle. Catholics go in, they light their candle. They say their prayer. Jews There's like their candles. candles. Correct. I mean, yeah, we I all mean- like candles. So Wiccans aren't the only ones putting up candles. I mean, I don't know where these where people get these ideas. You know, every freaking culture eats some kind of rice and beans. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, we just made somebody puts a ham hock in it. Somebody doesn't. But like, you know, we're all so I'm, similar. Saying, we all wear the same kind of ritual robes. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we always we all put on our ritual robes on the same way, I guess. Well, right. right? I mean, but we're scared of what we don't understand. But when we start really, when we're doing what we're doing and like on your w- w- uh, witchcraft deconstructed, if people would like s- see how similar instead of seeing how different. And I mean, we all are different and, w- and we embrace our differences in a great way instead of in a bad way. And then start thinking, well, you know what you guys are saying isn't just isn't that different isn't that far off no well, it's just people are just spiritual instead of one deity people fear what they don't know right um and i think with witchcraft specifically like there there is this you know because of historical witchcraft and uh you know just sort of all of the terrible things that have happened over the years to to witches um you know people are afraid um, one, you know, we were joking at the, the beginning, are you a good witch or are you a bad witch, right? Um, there's also then in our society, in our culture, um, this association of witches with Satan, right? Um, and people ask me about my relationship to Satan. I'm like, I got nothing against the guy, but I, I also have nothing to do with him because he's not a part of my practice. That is a very Christian monotheistic idea, right? I won't, you know, say he doesn't exist, but I don't hang out with him. Now, <laughs> Are there satanic witches out there? Sure. Like, that's that's a whole thing. Talk about pop culture. Uh, Reverend Wade hates, hates, hates uh, Sabrina, the new Sabrina reboot, which I loved. I loved every second of that show. Um, I'm I, sure it's I, entertaining for I, a plethora of people. <laughs> I was delighted in, in what they did with with the satanic witch figure, right? Is that what you don't love about it, Reverend Wade? The satanic angle? or I don't. I I. All right, so so let's go back thirty years, uh, and the movie The Craft comes out, right? Remember The Craft? It had a uh, yeah. What was her name? Uh, anyways, it, the, it, it had a, weird a number of peeps. Uh, yeah, right, who right, who yeah. owned a witchcraft shop in L.A. for a very long time? I can't. Uh, she, uh, okay, fantastic. She, I can't, I can't remember her name. I can't remember yeah. her name. I feel bad about it because I really like her as a as a as an actress, and and she was in Waterboy, and and I just can't freaking remember her name. But Verusabal. Uh, so the, that's it. I wanted to say Verusa Veruca Salt, but I knew that that was Willy <laughs> Wonka. I was wrong. So um, not the band. <laughs> so not related. Uh, so. The movie came out, and a lot of people watched it. Kind of became a cult classic, if you will, or it's just a pop culture classic of a sort. And the problem with that kind of movie is that, or that kind, or then a plethora of television shows after the fact, 
is that there's this characterization. There is, you know, you, you take something and then you accentuate what you perceive to be, you know, the dominating features and you accentuate it to such an extent that uh, it no longer represents what it really is. And, but you, you still equate it to that. And when I say caricature, I mean like in the most literal sense, if you've ever had like a caricature of somebody draw like a caricature of you, they just take your most predominant features and boom, accentuate it. But you're like, I see me in that, but that's but not me. Right. <laughs> so when we talk about the broom, when we talk about flying on it, when we talk about wearing the, the pointy hat or using a wand to, you know, zap somebody and, you know, the words and, you know, it, all of that is, is accentuated from sort of lore, from far more mundane things. And when a movie like that comes along, uh, people get interested for the wrong reason. They, mm -hmm. they look at their lives and they're like, I, I can't control my life. I've got to find a shortcut. I've got to find a way to gain power over the people that are dragging me down or that are abusing me and hurting me. And they become desperate and they see this and they're like, well, it must be a thing. There are books about it. You know, there are television shows inspired by it. Maybe that's just a real thing I've not experienced before. And it brings in a herd of people who are desperate to control their lives and believe that they're going to be able to come in and pick up a wand and start, you know, hexing people from a distance and causing death and mayhem and destruction and beauty and love and man, man, man. There's tons of books that, that appeal to this crowd. So what happened? The books come out that, that are literally talked to this niche of individuals seeking this. And uh, they walk away disappointed or disenfranchised or, or potentially misguided, or it ends up taking down another path that gets really dark. Uh, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a part of me that it kind of bothers me. Yeah. Well, and but, you do, you, you get those people, you get people who come in, um, you know, if, if you come to me as a student, you know, I do have books I'll ask you to read. And I had one new, new seeker say, well, what about, and I always say this, I can never say this correctly, but the Necronomicon. And I'm like, that's, that's made up. It's the thing. <laughs> like, it's it's not wrote a, it. a real, yeah, right? Like, this isn't an actual, this is fantasy. And they were like, but, but we're going to read it, right? And I was like, no, 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 we're not. That has nothing to do with Wicca. So yeah, so basically what you're saying is the cultural, the way cultural depictions, it's kind of like when we misappropriate other people's culture. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> kind of? Yeah. Yeah. It, like, yes, it's, it misrepresents in the worst, uh, most um, um, prejudicial sort of way. Sure. And, and you know, it's it's a bit like if, if you, you know, took somebody as like, Oh, we need a, a, a typical Mexican from East LA. So what's what is the most accentuated, characterized individual right. that represents a Mexican from East LA? Right. Hey guys, what's going on? We'll get into my little rider and we'll go drive. What? What? Right. Why are you doing that? That doesn't represent these people. It doesn't write such a horrible uh, prejudicial uh, choice. And it kind of for us, it just kind of perpetuates that and it misleads people. You know, I think. I think what happens too, and so this is obviously it, it people mischaracterize things they don't know. They sure. really do a lot. Um, people, I, I really noticed that when I moved to East Tennessee, of course, I, I grew up in Miami. So um, I'm totally an implant that's like total fighting all this stuff all the time. 
And I realized so many people don't know what something is. So then they just make up what they've seen on TV, what's been depicted in movies and, um, and things like that. And like you said, every, you know, that's why all we have the bad hombres are all the Mexicans. Right. And then yeah. all the witches are all Satanists and you all, all wear black and pointy hats and cast spells. And, and it's just, it's because people have no idea. And then we also kind of um, don't take it seriously. I think that, and I, I can say that for myself. Um, I don't know that I just ever thought of witchcraft actively. And so I might not have taken it seriously enough because it's just not been something that's been an active part of my life, you know? Not, and so it's, I consider that a good thing for most people. And the reason why is if people take it super seriously, that's how people get killed. And there are still countries that being a witch will get you killed, you know, where, and it happens today. And occasionally you'll see a news article where, you know, a, a community goes and basically executes somebody in public because yeah. they suspected that they did something to somebody else, you know, through witchcraft, through magic, or whatnot. I, I'm still shocked that it happens. So that people don't take it seriously maybe is a nice side effect. The fact that the media kind of um, plays it down a little bit to a certain extent or makes it more cartoonish, makes it more uh, um, uh, niche maybe, I guess, is the best way to put it, or, or just softer, I suppose, like Harry Potter being a perfect example. Uh, mm -hmm. No tons and tons and tons of, of people who are Christian of a variety of, of uh, denominations that love Harry Potter you know satan doesn't come into play in that series yeah. at all in the movies or the books i don't think anybody really bats an eye at that and then they don't really bat an eye at people that kind of cosplay that mm -hmm. so you know the next step beyond that is kind of like what we do and it's it's like it's not that but it kind of has similar tastes, similar similar nuances, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then the perception of that kind of potentially crosses over. It kind of acts as it's kind of a degree of, of controlling bad perception. So from that sense, some of the stuff that comes out helps. It's not horrible. Okay. Well, I guess that's good to know. You know, we're going to record another episode on offensive Halloween costumes. And I was just, you know, one of the rules that I was reading was, you know, not dressing as another religious figure but i like so is it offensive when people dress up for halloween as witches or just no not at all no okay <laughs> dress I, up I, as priests or pregnant nuns i think that's hysterical but i I'm enjoy not that yeah <laughs> <laughs> like so i can't yeah <laughs> you know i think that the witch is as a figure right like that idea that halloween idea of the witch is like such a wonderful thing um and of course like you know good witch or bad witch right you can fall on either side on that one <laughs> you, can, you can play it up you know she becomes a caricature of you know what we see as other um and i i personally love that form of the witch um i actually dressed up as a witch for the first time in my life last year for Halloween. Uh, I'd never done the witch for Halloween. And I had this really marvelous moment where I, you know, I had my hat on 
and I had my broom with me and I have this big green chair that so I live in this ginormous apartment building in New York and what you do for trick-or-treating is they put a list up and you can sign up for it so the kids know they can come to your door right so what I did is I had my my chair in the door to kind of prop the door open and I'm sitting there with my hat and my broom and my cat just happened to like decide to sit (laughs) on my lap at that moment and I'm kind of around a corner in the hallway and this little little like five-year-old came running around the corner in his little Iron Man costume and he like stopped dead and his dad was behind him and he reached back and he grabbed his dad's pant leg and he goes dad it's a real witch and <laughs> it was the best thing like in my entire life I was like here the candy. you're perfect I love it but Fantastic. I loved that moment right where he stopped and he wasn't scared of me you know and I wasn't like a like a pretty pink whatever you know I'd kind of done it up and he wasn't scared of me he was just like you're so cool you know and it, it was, <laughs> even at five he recognized who a witch was and I think that, that was a lot of fun so that's know, awesome and, and it's great you know like especially <laughs> if I am like out in public after I like or before I'm doing ritual and I'm in like sort of my full regalia right it's always interesting to me the kids that see me in like the grocery store because then you have the ones that are terrified of me right and like I, I'm an old goth kid right who's really <laughs> aging um so you know I usually have the very dark makeup and the boots and whatever and then there are the kids who just are fascinated and I'm like you're the ones who are going to come find me when you're older like, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter what society you're in like the witches is, is an important figure um, you know, and she's she's one that everyone knows in one form or another. And maybe she'll help you. Maybe she won't. You know, maybe she'll help you help yourself. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. I love that about the witch is that that person. It seems kind of easier to be able to walk around New York City, though, in that regalia than like <laughs> Tennessee. Um, I saw a guy in like Dungeons and Dragons robes at Jersey Mike's the other day. Here. <laughs> Well, I mean, good for you, because clearly you give no fucks, and I love that. (laughs) But, you know, if I had been in Miami growing, like, I would have not even thought anything of it, to be honest with you. And so New York's not just something, you know, is even more... New York, uh, we like our black in New York. Um, I was in New Orleans for a very long time, and of course in New Orleans everyone's a little little witchy, a little crazy. Uh, (laughs) we, We used to joke that uh, New Orleans didn't really have a goth culture because New Orleans itself was so goth it didn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did grow up in the middle of a cornfield in the middle of Ohio. And uh, I'm, I'm very heavily tattooed. I don't know. You probably can't really see it from, from Zoom. But um, so when I'm out in public in my hometown, uh, people still very much stare, stop and stare. Um, there was a moment in high school where I was standing in front of Skyline Chili, if you're familiar, <laughs> with yeah. a bunch of my very goth gothy friends and um this family in a minivan pulled up you know very standard you know button down khaki good christian family probably and their minivan pulled in and the dad was so shocked by us that he just kept driving and he like went over the the bump you know (laughs) the parking space and like actually hit the skyline chili um so i've had a lot of those experiences (laughs) and it is i will say it is a little nice to be in a big city where people are not afraid of what they don't know and what they don't understand because here of course in new york where you know it's such a huge melting pot of every culture on earth right i hear more languages walking two or three blocks here in the city than i would have ever heard in ohio in 10 years right 
Um, and that's kind of, it, it is, it feels good to be a little more camouflaged in that sense, going back to what Reverend Wade was saying about just, you know, the fact that these things do still happen. Um, you know, I, I lived in a very, very, very small town on the border of Ohio and Indiana for a few years, and I was a much younger person and much more willing to rub people's faces in my <laughs> uh, differences. And my, my parents were terrified for me. They were literally sure. terrified that something would happen to me um, because I would scare my neighbors, right? Um, and my neighbors were wonderful people. And when I left, they were, they were like, we're so sorry to see you go. Um, but, you know, I think that is a very real thing in today's America that people do have to pay attention to, depending well, on where you're at. You talked about kind of being out. Reverend Wade, are you out in your, out of the broom closet in your practice to people that you interact with um, on your, on a daily basis at work or whatever? Do they know that you are a practicing witch? Um, that's maybe, I guess I, I, I should say that, that I'm just, I just, first off, I don't do a lot of jewelry. No, not, no, no necklace. I've got like one ring, uh, and that's pretty much it. So I, I kind of am who I am and it doesn't steer my conversation. So if what I do on the weekends, uh, my circling and ritualing with my group, comes up like what'd you do on the weekend it was cool like you know i, I had my apprentices over and we, we hung outside around the campfire and we there if, if that conversation winds into a more a more detailed explanation that eh, i have no problem talking about it uh however i don't go out and just announce it because it's it's for me it's uh there was a time wherein i did wear like what my, my wife had called the big g pinnacle uh you know big circle pinnacle right around my neck and uh, that had some advantages because it is kind of like you're wearing a calling card, if you will. Somebody else who also believes that might go, you know, like literally experienced here was like, I moved to Tennessee. I'm wearing this. I go to a gas station, you know, and, you know, grab a bag of chips and some gas. And the guy behind the counter says, uh, you know, it'll be 845. All right, here you go. All right. Blessed be. I was like, ah, someone who gets me, someone who knows. They, they got it. All right. It's a sign. Cool. And that actually turned out to be like a relationship where, you know, I went and went up and ended up like practicing in a trailer park with a, a handful of folks there that were just spectacular in the first group that I practiced with. So they can open doors. What it can also yeah. do is it can open, it can open attacks. And I, I there was a, a philosophy class that I was in and I was asking a question of the teacher and he kind of came back and, with a response and I responded and then one other kid said, shut the fuck up. You, you, you freaking Satanist. I was like, Oh Lord, where the hell did that come from? Why am I being attacked in front of all these people when I'm just having a quick dialogue to clarify something with the teacher, you know, just, just that kind of out of, and it was based on kind of his, his belief system that it kind of led up to interpret a symbol that I was using to identify myself so from that perspective, and much as I treat my cars, I don't wear bumper stickers. Mm -hmm. I don't let people know anything more about me than I need them to know in the moment. But I'm happy to go in that direction with a person that I feel sincere if it moves in that direction. So mm -hmm. in that sense, I'm out of the closet, but I'm not, I'm not handing people information that they can use against me. I'm, I'm seizing control of that so that I can empower myself in the moment when I need to. Does that? Absolutely makes sense. 
Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that in a lot of ways is a generational difference too, right? Because like you're still, you're, you're old enough that you really did have a lot more fear in that sense than I did. And I'm still much more willing to rub your nose in it and say, fuck you, you know, um, that might be more of my, my punk aesthetic as well. But, um, you know, there's that like angry part of me where I'm just like, no, like you, you get to deal with me as I am. I'm not going to play that game with you. Like even, you know, cause then my mom, my mother is always like, well, what about jobs? What about jobs? And I'm like, if they don't like me because I'm Wiccan, then I don't belong there anyway. And that's always been my attitude. Um, but again, I think that I have the privilege of not having dealt with some of the same, um, you know, fears in that sense, right? We live in the the, the modern world, <laughs> whatever that means, right? Like, I'm not going to get burned at the stake. Um, I live in New York City. I lived in New Orleans, but I did come from a cornfield where people are still very prejudiced. Even then, I was never afraid in the way that I know a lot of my older pagan Wiccan friends were afraid as younger people. Um, and I'm very grateful that I don't have that fear very grateful yeah i yeah and there, and there are a lot of people that do have that fear um I, I i don't necessarily live under that fear myself though uh i i again i choose to use it as a situation wherein uh i, I want to control we have to we have to cooperate with people in our world that's really what it boils down to mm-hmm. and there are people whom whom I, I choose how to interface with them I control that interface. I control to a certain extent whom they're interfacing when they're dealing with me. Um, there are parts of that that I don't necessarily hide. Like I don't go to work in a suit. I go to work in the shirt that you see. You know, um, sometimes I wear a vest if I want to snazz it up a bit. <laughs> but uh, so I don't necessarily mask my personality in that sense. But, you know, the minute you step into my life a smidge deeper than normal interaction, that it becomes very apparent that my world is a little bit different. The minute you step through my door, probably the minute you drive onto my property, look at the room around me. You know, I have busts with electronic doodads connected to them. I have brain mappings and tarot decks paints posted on my wall. My entire house is this way. This is this is the world that I live in. So you said you're so married. Is your, is your wife also? Yes. Okay. Just yeah. curious. And and uh and in her world is is you know in her office is also very different she has a she has a very vampire flair and and is a heavy reader uh, so the minute you step just slightly into my personal space is where mm-hmm. you're going to start to recognize that that um there are certain nuances that i've got and if somebody asks well then that's a good opportunity for them to do so but i do rob the casual passerby of the power to make any immediate judgments based on a set of symbols or perceptions that they might have. I would far rather ensnare them with a smile and sweetness and then suck them in to, mm-hmm. to my world and then give them a really good, you know, thorough understanding now that we've pulled them in a little bit deeper. And I do, t- I do take some, and I'm not converting people. I'm not like come over to my house and you'll leave a pig and it's not happening like that, but it might, uh, but no, it does bring them in and it gives me the opportunity to be empowered enough to communicate my practice. If they're so interested, if they're curious, if they've got questions or misunderstandings, it puts them and myself into a safe space where we can deal with that. Um, 
so yeah, but there are a lot of people that are very concerned. And you know, when you go to like Facebook groups, for example, a lot of those are private and people are looking to explore the path, but they're not yet comfortable with other people knowing that they're exploring it because they're still figuring it out and they don't want to be stigmatized by again, that, that, uh, characterization of, sure. of the people on this path. So it's, it's for a lot of people, it is sort of a dangerous thing for them. Well, guys, I think we've probably kept you plenty long enough. And um, thank you for being so enlightening and helping us to understand a little bit more and just talking to us about what it is you guys do. Like we said last year when we did this, we really should have probably talked to you guys instead of just <laughs> you know, reading stuff off the internet. But um, we are really grateful. We don't want to do the same episode twice anyway. So this worked out. Um, and, awesome. you know, we, we just, we're really grateful to both of you. And I'm always, I'm always very happy to see people that are just Christian. So <laughs> this, is a, this is a personal thing for me. I'm like, Woo, somebody different. Oh my God. You know? Um, and um, we will share, of course, your, the information about your podcast, which is witchcraft deconstructed, which has, is great. Everybody, um, you guys don't talk about it. You guys kind of talk about it from a, Hey, you're already a witch perspective, to be honest with you. Some of it, we, it's a little bit beyond if you don't really know. Um, and it was, but that, it was cool. I thought that was cool. That's I, so I expected your podcast to be like defending witchcraft and it wasn't because that's kind of what we do. Right. But, um, I was really pleasantly surprised. I was like, it was like a class. <laughs> it was yeah. really awesome. That's right. And, and we really, you know, it's like, again, once we both Reverend Wade and I've practiced for years and years and years and years, and we, we've had all the initiations and we've had all the experiences. And like at a certain point, you do get, I, I don't want to say jaded, but a little bit jaded, right? Um, and especially again, when you're teaching new people to the path, um, you have to be able to explain why right? And, and what this thing is. And so really for our podcast, we really wanted to break down some of these really basic ideas that uh, people in the community really just take for granted, right? We, we you know, we'll say we're, we're casting circle tonight. And to, to Reverend Wade and I, we know exactly what that means. Anyone in the, the pagan community has an idea of what that means. But what does it actually mean when that's one of the most basic ideas of what we do in ritual. Um, and then of course, for anyone outside of the community, you may not know what that is. Um, so we really wanted to take those really, really basic elements that we all take for granted. It's, you know, the two plus two equals four type elements and kind of tear them apart and talk about them um, in, in a much in much greater detail. And it really is, you know, it, one, when you've been doing it for years and years and years, it's, it's kind of fun to go back for us too and like remind ourselves of like, what we were originally taught and then how we've sort of, you know, how that has evolved for us over the years as we have practiced and how that has changed. Um, and then again, you know, you go through different teachers, you read different books, you have different experiences. So then things mean different things to you, but what, what is the really basic core of what these things are? Um, so that's kind of what we were trying to do, I think, or what we are trying to do in, in our podcast. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. So hopefully. Totally hopefully cool. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Um, and so again, to everybody who's listening today, I, we really encourage you guys to listen to Witchcraft Deconstructed. You guys also have a website, witchcraftdeconstructed.com. Do you have any social media or anything anybody else should know that's listening? Yeah, if you do a search, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, 
uh, all you gotta do is just search for witchcraft deconstructed. You should get a full page from Google of the various outlets and how we post yeah. through there. And of course, we're on every podcast uh, program that I think is out there. So awesome. we have a, a, an Instagram page I'm slowly trying to build up to. So if you wanna see pretty pictures, <laughs> have lots right. of pretty pictures. Well, thank you guys again. Um, this, uh, of course, that other F word, we are on Instagram, that other F word pod. We are on Facebook. We're on everywhere podcasts can be found also. And, um, you know, like subscribe, I would really encourage you again to like and subscribe to witchcraft, De- witchcraft deconstructed. I feel like that's I have trouble with it. too. Well, I literally say- have to say it like chunk, 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 right? Yeah. Well, so and then, um, you know, at the end of our podcast, we always like to tell people a certain thing that Ren and I cannot get correct on Zoom to save our lives. Um, <laughs> And so, Rin, you want to hit them with, with ours and then with our, what people <laughs> Feminism isn't a bad word. Yes. And neither is witchcraft. Neither is witchcraft. <laughs> right Love so, it. Thank you guys again so much. We really appreciate your time. You know, have a great rest of your Saturday. Those fingers in my head. That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft